like it snowed, but it didn't stick. So I, I woke up in the morning, checked everyone's Instagram story, saw everyone posting like videos of ma- them making snow angels and snowmen and oh my God, it's snowing. And I was really excited, walked out my door and it's just wet. <laughs> really? Did you get no snow at all? None at all. Like it snowed. So when you're walking out on the street, you feel snow touching your skin and you see snow in the sky. But by the time it hits the floor, it's just wet. Nothing at all. Welcome to episode three of the Generic Football Show. Aguero stuns Arsenal's hapless defence, Higuain, Chelsea's strike force saviour, Rashford is world class, January transfer window roundup and an extra special January transfer quiz. All that and more coming up on episode 3 of the Generic Football Show. So it's been a bit of a I don't know what to call it. If I was to give this weekend of football one ed- adjective, um, I guess I would call it normal. Is that fair to say? Yes. I think it's been one of those weekends where if you bet on the favourites, in most games, not all games, but most games, you would you would come in with the money. No, there was no surprises that I can really think of. Mm. Chelsea sort of dominant. Chelsea 5, Huddersfield Town 0. Huddersfield are terrible. Yeah, oh. Awful. In in all fairness, though, Chelsea have been on quite bad form. So that game, I thought Huddersfield really need a win at the moment. It's it's getting to that time of the season where teams that look like they might be going down suddenly find a bit of fighting spirit in them and start suddenly picking up these crazy wins out of nowhere. So I thought it, there's a small chance that Huddersfield could cause an upset, capitalise on Chelsea's bad form, but nah. I just, I just don't, can't, I can't see it with them. They're on eleven points this season. Mm-hmm. They don't bring. I don't think they bring anything to the party whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was you and your fantasy football team, yeah, my whoever that whoever are playing Huddersfield, I'd put their your striker as their striker as captain. Yeah, that's a good shout. Um, Gonzalo Higuain got two. Oh, you know, I know we spoke about Higuain on the last um, one of the last episodes. And I think you said he could be terrible or he could be amazing. I think he's going to be amazing. Do you really? Absolutely. Because I watched that game and just the way he links up, he, he comes deep just to make a little pass. And it's really clever how he does that. Because I watched when he did it, he would come really deep, make do a one-two of, I don't know, Hazard, run back up. And because he's made that one-two, the defenders kind of lose track of him a little bit. So he he then sneaks into the box, arrives a little bit late and then finds himself in like an amazing position and Willian or Hazard or someone like that will play through an amazing ball and he's just in a bit of space. Like the defenders haven't picked him up. He, he's one of those players that doesn't need much space. He'll turn, he'll hit it near post if he has to and yeah, he's just, he's just an amazing, yeah, he's so intelligent the way he plays, I think. I, I just think it's a little bit too early for Dell. He mm. was playing Huddersfield. That's very um, true. <laughs> I think that... Giroud wouldn't have scored two goals in that game, nor would Morata. It's hard, it's hard to say. It's hard to say because, I mean, Higuain is a different player to Giroud, certainly. Yeah. Um, so, Morata, I mean, maybe not, but that might be more of a confidence thing rather than anything else. I did... Um, I did see the game and like you said, his link-up play was very good and mm-hmm. you know him sort of coming short and sp- spraying balls out wide, I thought was, you know, 
it was it was a lot different. It added a bit more of a dimension to Chelsea's attack. Yeah. Um, and I think that someone like Hazard will relish playing with someone like him. So it might, even if he doesn't score many goals, mm-hmm. if he is able to bring the best out of Hazard and make more space for him. Yeah. Um, and the same with Willian on the other side, then he's already done more than what the other two have. Yeah. So um, as a, as a different dimension. Um, but like you said, they were coming off the back of a bad week, losing 4-0 to Bournemouth. I don't think anyone saw that. No. Um, and I think Bournemouth are a very good team, but 4-0 is... Uh, it's pretty embarrassing, pretty, really. Yeah, really. So um, so they needed this. And I think Huddersfield is a great bounce back mm, match. Definitely. Because, like I said, they just don't offer anything. They, I can't see them troubling anyone, really. Um, I mean, any some of the games I've watched, even against their relegation rivals, I've not really seen much from them. Yeah, They absolutely. don't aspire confidence. Mm, yeah, I fully feel that. It's uh, it's funny actually that you mention Bournemouth, um, and I think one thing Bournemouth did in the previous game against Chelsea was mark Jorginho out the game, and I still feel that's a problem. It's down to Sarri's stubbornness more than anything else. But even watching the game, they won five nil, but I still don't think much of Jorginho. And if teams like Bournemouth can capitalize on the little he does and the importance of where he plays, then Chelsea still are going to be in trouble. I, I yeah, literally I mean, think I'll... it's a simple case of taking out Jorginho, putting Kante back there, and they're top four guaranteed. And I, and I think that's what everyone's been saying all season. I yeah. think the fact that you've removed Kante from his preferred position is is remarkable for mm-hmm. someone that is the best in the world at what he does, and he has now been played out of position. He did get two assists in his new position. I don't understand the reasoning behind it. Mm. Like I said to you the other week, this Sari Bors situation, I, and this is what I've heard is, is the reason for it. But he doesn't, it, it, it just doesn't add up. It doesn't add up that you can sort of replace Kante with someone like Jorginho that, you know, is, I mean, and I know he come with a big reputation from Napoli, but all I've seen him do is pass the ball sideways. Yeah, that's all I've seen him do. I've not, you know, what I mean, I don't, I don't think he's a a great defensive midfielder in mm-hmm. that sense. I don't think he harries people. I don't think he, you know, rushes people off the ball. I don't. I've never seen him make any, you know, amazing challenges. I just see him pass sideways. Yeah, and that might be a bit of a one-dimensional review, but. He's made over 2,000 passes and I believe he's yet to make an assist. Yeah, I think you're right. So, you know, proof's in the pudding. Yeah, absolutely. Cardiff City 2, AFC Bournemouth 0. Nice segue, actually. You mentioned, obviously, Chelsea lost to Bournemouth the other day. I think if there was any surprise, it was probably, for me anyway, Cardiff beating Bournemouth. This goes back to what I said about that fighting spirit come towards the end of the season. I watched this game. It was the evening kickoff on Saturday. No offence to Bournemouth and Cardiff, but the evening kickoff is normally, you know, a big teams normally in the evening kickoff because it's televised. So seeing Bournemouth-Cardiff, I thought, this is interesting. I want to watch it though. And 
I was really impressed. I think in terms of ability, it was clear that Bournemouth have more creative players, better players, to be fair. But Cardiff just had more of a fighting spirit. Yeah. I mean, and I would agree that that is, you know, the, the fighting spirit come out in that game. Yeah. Um, obviously down to circumstances as well. Of course, um, yeah. Sort of with recent events and whatnot, I think has yeah. sort of galvanised the team to sort of um, come together. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, it's a thing as well with Bournemouth. It's, they are one of them teams in amongst a group of, you know, four or five Premier League teams where you, you don't know what you're going to get from one week to the next. Mm-hmm. You can go from beating Chelsea 4-0 to losing 2-0 at Cardiff. And it's, I don't really know where they stand. They're, they're, they're a good team. They're a good team, but it's like, I think they need that solid defensive unit mm-hmm. um, approach a little bit more. They're quite a gung-ho team. Yeah. Um, and I think that with, you know, teams that are like Cardiff that are going to sort of defend, you know, a bit more sort of grit about them. I think if, if they don't score, mm-hmm. then I think that their heads drop and that may be a time to get them. Yeah. Um, but if they do score, then they can run right. They really are a mixed bag team. Yeah. But um, no, I fully commend Cardiff because I think the way they played was um, was brilliant. And it is it was that, you know, sort of fighting spirit that sort of got them through. I still don't think they'll stay up. No. Nah. But I think it's it shows character. It's going to be a fun journey watching them try and stay up at least. I think yeah, for sure. No, definitely. Manchester City, three, Arsenal, one. You mentioned they're uh, a mixed bag team. Um, I mean, this team has a big bag, to say the least, but very much a mixed bag. Man City lost earlier in the week, completely outclassed Arsenal today, in my opinion, at least. I, I don't know what to think, because after the games like the one against Arsenal today, I look at them and think, even though they're behind... Liverpool I still think they're going to win the league if they play like that but then the other day I don't know if it's complacency or whatever it may be they they lose I I kind of don't really know what's going on with City I also heard recently that City have won the league what is it three times now or twice yes three times they've three times but it's interesting that they've never successfully defended their league championship and I wonder why that is I wonder if complacency is a real issue at Man City I think complacency might be, but it's also competitiveness as well. Mm-hmm. Because there are a lot of teams vying for that. And it's sort of, I think City, since Pep's come in and sort of, you know, they got to the 100 point mark last season. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I was watching the game today and Gary Neville said that it sort of looks like City get bored. It's Things get too easy for them and they get bored. And I can, I can see it. Mm. They sort of they they slow everything down. It's all a bit sort of. It's all it it's all just seems a bit like they're just ah oh, this is this is easy. We're just going to kick the ball around for a little bit. It doesn't matter that they're one 0 down. They never seem to feel like anyone's going to cause them that much of a threat. Um, 
you know, I mean, there might be the odd occasion where they think differently, like, you know, the Manchester Derby, when they play Liverpool, for instance. But Arsenal was a perfect game for them today. Mm. You know what I mean? They, no one ever expected them to lose to Newcastle. No. But Arsenal are, Arsenal are terrible. They have, you know, some bright sparks. I thought Guendouzi and Torreira in the centre today were, were brilliant. Um, I thought that they sort of stifled City as much as they could. Um, but Arsenal's backline are awful. And That's, I think that, yeah. that, mm. that affects that affects the whole team because you have players like Aubameyang and Lacazette that know that against City, they're going to have to sit back. Yeah. Because everyone has to bunch up to try and make it a lot harder for City. And I think that, you know, I mean, maybe I'm wrong and maybe if Arsenal would have done it, they would have got battered. But if you would have had Aubameyang sitting a little bit further up so that some of them clearances that did go into City's territory, they might have they might have got something. They might have done a little something. But because that back line is bad, I don't... I think there's just a lack of confidence. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting you mentioned Aubameyang, actually, because watching the game today, I could see him getting really frustrated with the players around him. And to the point where he was coming deeper than he should have been because he wanted to get involved. And he, he kind of took it upon himself to make things happen for the team. And I see that I've seen that with Arsenal a lot, especially in the Arsene Wenger era, when I think the perfect example is Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. He used to get so frustrated with the players around him. Eventually, he was just like, forget this, and left and went to Liverpool. Um, and it's, it's early to say Aubameyang is going to do that, but I think if Arsenal don't change their backline, then certain individuals of class will become frustrated they're not playing in a team that lives up to their own ability, almost. I think the irony in that sentence is that when Oxley Chamberlain threw for Arsenal, they were probably just as frustrated with him. Um, <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> but it's yeah, I I think that Emre's, you know, trying to do something. Mm. Um and I think that, you know, he's made some good sign ins. I think Gwendouzi will um, you know, he's only 19. I think he'll improve massively. He looks like a great player, actually, yeah. Torreira. And Torreira. I, th- I really think is a very good player as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, a couple a couple of windows, if he gets the chance, mm. I think that he he could do something. I mean, I don't know what Dennis Suarez is going to be like. I've not really seen too much of him. He looks quite weak and, like, not really ready today. He only came off, like, 15 minutes, but the 15 minutes he played, yeah. he just didn't look like he was ready. He looked like a youth player that's been brought in too early. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Arsenal were continuously linked with wide players. And I don't really understand why they weren't ever seriously linked with any defenders. Yeah, it makes no sense at all. I I, I kind of get the wide players after watching Alex Awobi play today. Mm -hmm. Because he was awful. I mean, I don't understand what he was doing for that first goal. But... I mean, you're under that much pressure. Just clear it. Absolutely. Put it into Rosehead. Yeah. And that's, that's a basic. That's a basic. And then it's sort of, and then it stemmed from then. I don't, I mean, the first goal is a massive fault from Awobi, but then Mustafi stand, standing about eight yards behind the rest of his back line. Mm. So he's playing everyone on side. Yeah. So and it's that type of stuff. It's the type of stuff that you kind of feel sorry for Emre about because 
they're just individual mistakes that people, you know, you say would learn from, but, but I guarantee you that you will no doubt see them two players do the exact same thing. Yeah. At another point in the season. Well, I think so. I think mm. it's personnel that he needs to change, and hopefully, he gets the time to do it. Leicester City nil, Manchester United one. Speaking of managers, so Ole Gunnar Solskjaer played ten, won nine. It seems like he he's the one. He should stay. I mean, I know you didn't watch the game today. I watched it. It was pretty even even game. Leicester had their chances. We had some great chances. Um, and it was just a moment of unbelievable class from Pogba and Rashford. Pogba with an exquisite, I think that's the perfect adjective, exquisite ball over to Rashford, who's took two touches, exquisite touches. He touched it down, rocketed it, bottom corner. They're just two players that are going back to our uh, edition last week, world class, without doubt. And that was the difference in the game. They both had chances, but we had world-class players who converted that one chance to win the game. Are you still going with this Rashford world-class? Oh my God, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, when I first said it, I said, I think he's becoming world-class. I don't I don't see what more he needs to do to already be world-class, if I'm honest. He's excellent. He's He's just brilliant. I'm I'm guessing you haven't seen the goal yet, but if you see the goal, it was just like striker's instinct. <laughs> yeah, I, I have seen the goal. I have seen the goal and it is it is um, the, the touch is unbelievable, the finish is great, the ball is brilliant. Mm. But this this Rashford world class thing, he I he excellent, yeah, I completely agree. Excellent is not world class. Oh. <laughs> and I would. I still think it's another step up, and I don't think that Rashford say. I don't think he's done it for long enough. He was nowhere to be found, really, while Mourinho was in charge. Whether that was Mourinho's fault or not mm-hmm. is is sort of it is what it is. But Hazard was nowhere to be found when Mourinho was in charge. But we claim him to be world class. Yeah, but Mourinho's <laughs> been gone for a while now. <laughs> yeah, true. Mourinho's been gone for a while and I think that you know like I said Rashford fully has the potential to be world class mm-hmm. but I don't think that he's there yet yeah. I don't even think I I don't think I'd put him in the bracket below either fair enough um, and maybe there is a bias because I'm a Man United fan and I've seen him come through the ranks and rarely have we seen in the last 10 years a player come through the ranks and make it to this you know he's our number 10 we didn't buy our number 10 that's fantastic and that's it and I think it's exciting for not only for United fans but for England fans as well because you know I mean the future with him sort of leading the line and Harry Kane and you know all the other sort of young lads that are coming through is going to be great but I still think he needs to do more. I still think he needs to do more in Europe. Mm-hmm. I still think he needs to do more in an England shirt. Um, and then, I mean, if he if he carries on this form and we're still talking this time next year, and he's sort of, you know, scoring goals and sort of creating havoc, we can sort of have this discussion. But I do think it's a little too practical. Tottenham Hotspurs one, 
Newcastle United, nil. Top four contenders, Tottenham Hotspur, thank, I don't know what they thank, but thank the almighty. Thank God the Asian Games is gone. Yeah, exactly that, that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> thank God for Son. And it, it's so true. We always speak about how much they miss Son, Kane and Ali. And the fact that the difference in the game was Son just completely, yeah, it completely validates that. Um, I don't really know what else to say about the game. I feel like it was a game that Tottenham probably had the better of and probably deserved to win. But something about Lorente getting in the right places all the time, but never being able to convert those chances. Is is a it's a difficult one because getting in the position in the first place is a skill, like a, a skill that a striker needs to have. But not finishing them kind of defeats the point of that skill. I, I think you could put it down to ring rust, though, because I mean, I, before the cane injury, I think you probably could have, you know, put one hand, uh, you know, sort of counted on one hand how many games he's played this season. Um, he's thirty three years old. Is he that old? And I didn't realise he was think, old. Yeah, yeah, he's about 33 years old. Mm. And I think that it it has that effect on you. Yeah. I think that if he does get a run of games, I think, you know, he'll improve. I mean, many moons back, he was he was a really good goal scorer. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Across Europe. So I think that he's still able to do that. I just think that he needs that run of games, which he's, you know, will get until Kane comes back. Yeah. Um, but they, they're sort of, I wouldn't say they're riding their luck. Um, I think it may look like that because there's been a lot of late goals, mm-hmm. but I think that it's, I think there there might come a time when they will, you know, get a a sticky nil nil because they can't see that late goal or Yeah. I think it's it's definitely fair to say, to be fair, that even these games where they have just about won and got a late goal, they probably have been the better team in. No, no, definitely. I also but I also don't know where they stand. Mm. Because are they are they top four contenders? Are they title contenders? Because I don't know if I see them as title contenders. Well, for a few, few for a day and a bit, they were actually ahead of Man City in the league. Yeah, but I mean, it. But that's because they sort of they played a game once, and I I completely get that they sort of that you would rather points and games in hand, and mm-hmm. sort of City weren't guaranteed despite the fact that it was Arsenal to win it. Yeah. I mean, if, if they're still in it when Kane comes back, then I think that they will, um, they, they've got a good chance, but that's still a while away. Um, and they still need to creep through a few more games first. Um, so I think it's a big month for them. It's interesting because if I look at like the top six, maybe, I hesitate to, I don't think Tottenham are the third best First, second, third. I think they're probably the fifth or sixth best team in that top six on the day. The difference between them and say like a Man United or a Chelsea or a, or even an Arsenal is that they're just a bit more consistent. They're consistently good, but never amazing. Well, well 
I mean, that that's that's an interesting topic in itself because I think if you was to go by first eleven without Kane, Son, and Ali, who were Tottenham and Ericsson, Sorry, I can't <sighs> Ericsson. I mean, that that's a that's a big statement because I think that their defence is is real good as well. I think that Tottenham have one of the best first 11s in the league. Really? Um, I'd rather their first o- first 11 over quite a few, like if they're fully fit, over quite a few teams. Um, okay. That's why they needed to buy. They needed to buy because of these type of things. And I know that you're not going to get a world-class striker or even a great striker to go to Tottenham because they're always going to play second field to Harry Kane. But you need to find someone that's going to make that difference when he's not there. Yeah, and that's what the you know what I mean. That's what good managers have to do. They have to try and find solutions. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's should be the next aim. The next aim should be to get them players in that can replace, you know, your your canes, yeah, your, your alleys, your, your your sons. Yeah. Um, Replace your sons. And even your sort of like centre midfielders as well because they're starting to be fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that this is a very talent month for them. Burnley won. Southampton Saints won. Brighton and Hove Albion nil. Watford nil. Other games in the Premier League, we had Brighton, Hove and Albion and Watford and Burnley and Southampton both drew. Um both games I didn't see and furthermore didn't pay attention to when they came up on match of the day. I don't really know what to say about ooh, these teams. Ooh. <laughs> that sounds really harsh, doesn't it? Not not worth your time. I'm just going to give a shout out to Big Peter Crouch, by the way, for coming back oh. to the Premier League at the age of 36. Absolutely. I just hope he continues the podcast. Can, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Can... Uh, causing defenders havoc at the age of 36 to win that penalty. Yes. Um, I heard about that. I didn't, again, I didn't watch it, but I, you know what? I think I'm going to follow Burnley a bit more closer now just because of Peter Crouch. Yeah. I I, I mean, he'll, he'll do a job. He'll do a job. He'll sort of, you'll put balls in the box. I think he's perfect for Burnley, to be honest, because they sort of, they are that rough and tumble team that Sean Dykes likes them to be. And I think that with him in the side, mm-hmm. I think with a lot of crosses, I think that he'll get a lot of knockdowns or, you know, I don't I don't think he'll score many, but I definitely think he'll be an asset because that takes away two defenders most of the time. I think of all the teams in the league, like Burnley are up there with the most likely to play a little bit more of a Route 1 style. Which I think suits Crouch more than it suits Vokes, who they basically exchanged for him. Yeah, but I tell you, Burnley are what Stoke used to be. Burnley are that really hard team that you sort of that people would be saying, "Can he do it?" And Burnley on a Tuesday night, that's <laughs> so true. That's, yeah, that's what they're doing. Yeah, and I think that sort of if they can continue that mantra, because I felt like they almost went away from that a little bit at the start of the season when they were in Europe and whatnot, then they'll then they'll be absolutely fine. Um, but they need to get back to being hard to beat, and once they do that, then I think that that I have no worries about Burnley sort of being in any danger I think their biggest mistake this season is not selling Joe Hart in January <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think I genuinely think the team's got better when they made him number one when Tom Heaton's in goal they're great 
When Nick Pope's in goal, they're great. When Joe Hart's in goal, they lose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it doesn't it doesn't look good for him, and I don't think that I can see his next move not being in the Premier League. But um, but yeah, it's, it's the fall from grace for Joe Hart is incredible. Shout out Brighton and Hove Albion and Watford for nothing because they both didn't bring anything to the table quite literally. Um, I think that does it for part one. Join us in part two where we talk about uh, January transfers. Welcome back to part two of the generic football show. Um, I'm with Dan. Hi, Dan. Evening. How are we? Evening. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Um, had a nice break between part one and part two. <laughs> <laughs> um, so January transfer, um, January transfers. I don't know about you, but I couldn't help but feel a little bit somewhat disappointed. Remember last year, um, who was it? Van Dyke was brought in for Liverpool. Coutinho left for like a, a stupid price. Like so much happened. Um, and it, it literally changed the course of the Premier League season. Um, this year, Aubameyang, of course, Alexis Sanchez, that all happened last January. This year, like, not much has really happened amongst the, the bigger clubs other than Gonzalo Higuain, I guess. Yeah, and, I, I, like, and that, that's, that's one that will be interesting to see how well he does. Mm. Um, I mean, you've got, a f- but you've got like Pulisic. Um, Is that, but that who- doesn't happen until the summer, right? No, that doesn't happen. So no, he's gone back on loan to Dortmund. He see, is a Chelsea yeah. player, but he's on loan at Dortmund. Yeah. Um. So that that'll be sort of another interesting one. They um, managed to keep Endoy, what I believe to be against his will. That's interesting. And is that fair? He's a young player. Um, he's hungry for first team football. I'm sure in his head he knows he's ready. But he's looking at the Chelsea squad. He's probably looking at the fact they've just bought Pulisic and he's thinking to himself, is this really the place where I'm going to get first team football? He looks over at Germany. He sees Jadon Sancho is killing it. As a result, now part of the England setup. Um, is it fair for Chelsea to say, no, you can't leave? Um, I think it's a tough one because I... I don't think it is, but at the same time, they're the people that pay his wages. And mm. if they don't want to accept a bid for him, they don't have to. So well, I, I always mean, think if you dep- go on, sorry, I, th- I think it all depends on how much game time he gets. I think if he gets, you know, quite a bit of game time between now and the end of the season, then I think the the reason's justified. But I mean, transfer deadline day when they play Bournemouth. Mm. They took him down to Bournemouth and he didn't even make the 18. So... It's a bit of an insult, really. Um, I don't... I, I think it it does boil down to how much game time he gets. I think if he gets a lot of game time, then that will do him the world of good and that justifies the fact that they see him as part of their future plans and yeah. that you know he'll be a mainstay. If it doesn't and he gets only a handful of games, then I think that it's them sort of almost spiting him and almost saying, look, but almost a bit of a power struggle as if to say like, we won't relent mm-hmm. and you will basically toe in line. Yeah. Well, I always see it as like a bit of a, 
I think of it this way. Imagine you're working at Sainsbury's. But you're not getting many shifts. You're on a zero hours contract. You're not getting many shifts. And a German supermarket comes in for you. Lidl. And uh, <laughs> you say to your boss at Sainsbury's, boss, I need more shifts because, you know, I want to get promoted to uh, supervisor. <laughs> um, and Lidl have come in for me and, you know, they can give me this many shifts. Is it fair for your manager at Sainsbury's to say, no, got to stay at Sainsbury's regardless of how little shifts you get? Is 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 that fair? <laughs> <laughs> and your friend Jaden Sancho's at another German supermarket. He's at Aldi, killing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, You've really thought about this, haven't you? You've yeah, I really think it's, thought about it's this a great America. metaphor for Hudson and Doyle's situation. <laughs> um, I... Yeah, when you when you when, like you say when you put it like that, but the problem is, is it's it's the same but different because this is a football's run differently to to any other business, mm-hmm. and with sort of this, it's they they because he's got him on a contract that has an expiry date. I think they can get what they want out of him. I get what you mean. Um, well, I think that's kind of lot. the metaphor I made was is very silly, obviously. But I think the point I was trying to make yeah. is, if you are under contract in any other job outside of football, you kind of yeah. have to, you know, you're under contract. You kind of have to obey your managers to an extent, and it's a bit unprofessional to say, you know, I want to move here and make that public. Yeah, mm. and I, I get it. I, I, I think it, it's okay to do providing that you go about it in the right way yeah i think that if you refuse to play if you you know refuse to train if you just you know sort of disrupt the dressing room then i think that's when it starts to get a little bit messy and i think that that's when the club has a right to deny you Mm, fair enough if if the club sees you as sort of not really starting not really being anything and they're still not willing to let you go almost just for numbers, mm. especially at the age he is and with the development sort of that he has to come. I I think is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it is very much dependent on the specific situation and what's going on behind closed doors. Yeah. Because if he is kicking up a stink and he is sort of causing issues, then I think they are within their right to withhold. Fair enough, yeah, I hear that. Um, in other transfer news, um, Michi Bashawai to Crystal Palace. Um, I don't know about you, but I think that's a great signing. Bashawai is one of those players that's notoriously unsettled, and you know those players that move from club to club to club. And I don't know if that's because he's difficult to deal with, but he scored goals at every club he's been at, and he's still part of the Belgium setup despite them having an amazing squad to choose from. I think he's quite a good player. And I think that's a great signing for Crystal Palace. I don't know if you agree or not. Yeah, I think it's a really good signing. I also think it's really funny that Chelsea asked for £8 million from Tottenham if they wanted to loan him, but only said to Palace they needed to pay uh, £2 million. So, that's interesting. a little I bit of sporting that. rivalry there. That's really interesting. Um, oh. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's done because they're direct rivals, really. Um, but I, I think he's a very good signing. 
for um for Palace. Mm. Um and I think he will score goals. I think with um if Palace do become a little bit more attacking um and a little bit more emphasis is on sort of your your Zahas and your your Andros Townsends mm-hmm. then I think he could cause um could cause a lot of issues for teams. I think that front three is on their day can be a real real handful. Yeah, absolutely. Um but it's and I think I think being in the premiership, I think he feels like he's got a bit to prove as well because it hasn't really worked out with Chelsea. Always a bit of a bit part player. And you know, I mean he went to Dortmund and done well, scored goals. Um I don't quite know how he done at Valencia. Um but I think that he I think that it will he will succeed. Mm-hmm. Um and I, to be honest, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if it turned into a permanent in the summer. Uh which I think would be an even bigger coup for them. Mm. Um So one thing that I almost kind of took for granted is that he's still owned by Chelsea. Batshuay. So he's gone on loan, as has I I don't know if you notice this, but I completely missed that Alvaro Morata has gone on loan to Atletico. Yeah, he's gone on an 18-month deal as well. Because um, I, I thought in my head they had brought in Higuain, but they still had Morata as backup. But I didn't realise they had got rid of him as well. That's really yeah, interesting. Yeah, So I think it's just down to Higuain and Giroud now. Mm-hmm. But the Morata deal was an 18-month deal, um, which is quite interesting because I'm pretty sure the Higuain deal was only until the end of the season. Yeah. So I don't know whether or not they sort of intend straight away to make that a permanent deal. Um, but obviously 18 months is a very long time in football and a lot of things can change. So maybe it's just one of them where they, you know, they could possibly be getting rid of Sarri. I don't think this is in the owner's thinking, but could get rid of Sarri and then review the Morata situation when he comes back at the end of next season. Yeah, that's, that's a very interesting one. Um, Amongst the other big clubs, or the other clubs within like the kind of top top four five, there wasn't really much going on. Liverpool didn't bring anyone in. Uh, you got rid of some players. Got rid of Dominic Solanke, yep. who yep. never really, never really had a chance at Liverpool. I don't think he bought him fairly recently, and sold him fairly quickly without playing him much. Was that good so, business or bad business? I, I don't really know. I think I. I <laughs> It depends on potential. I personally think it's good business. Um, I think he has got a lot of potential, but we've we've sold him for nineteen million. How much did you buy him for? And uh, I've it went to a tribunal. I think we ended up getting him for about six. Okay. Um, but he is now the third most expensive English striker of all ever. time. Really? Oh, yep. Um, behind he's got a lot to prove. Andy Carroll. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. He's behind Andy Carroll and Wayne Rooney as the most expensive English strikers ever. You know, and so that's a that's a it's a big statement, and I think that that is just proves how sort of football's leading mm. and what way it's going. Um, because he hasn't proved anything. 
Um, I think he scored one goal for us, and that was at the end of last season against Brighton. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I mean, I, I personally think he's a good bit of business. Uh-huh. Um, they Liverpool also got rid of Markovic. Uh, yeah, to I Fulham. didn't realize he was still playing. Isn't he like forty-seven? I think you know. I I think he's about twenty-four. He's twenty-four. Um, yeah, I I think he's he, he's not he's not very old. When we brought him, he was. Oh, you you're breaking up. Twenty. Oh, yeah. When we bought him, he was twenty. I swear you bought him like three managers ago. Yeah, I mean, I think it was. I think it was Brendan that brought him in. Fair enough. I, I didn't I think it was, Brent, was that young. I think it was Brendan Rogers. Yeah, yeah, very, very young, and he was brought on promise. I think he had a couple of really good games against Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Um. Sort of done a little bit for partisan Belgrade, and then got signed by Benfica, mm-hmm. um, and then sort of we bought. I think we bought him for twenty million as well, um, and I think we've sold him for about one point eight million. Ah, oh, so that's um, bad so business. In fo- so, in, so in football terms, he's about as good as a League Two player if transfer fees had to go by. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I think that. I mean, we. I don't think we were ever really going to buy anyone. I think we were very much settled on what we were going to do. I think the only one that I'm not in agreement with is the Nathaniel Klein loan deal to Bournemouth. Um, I think we probably could have kept hold of him. Yeah, I, I agree with numbers. you. And just because, um, what's his name? I've actually forgotten your right back's name. Trent. Trent. Well, Fairly I mean, young, Trent's, can't Trent's always injured. stay fit. That's that's the thing at the moment. Well, we, he's injured now. We played Jordan Henderson. Uh, right back in the draw mm. against Leicester mm. in midweek, so it would have been perfect for him to play there. But it it happens, you know. What I mean, I would trust Jurgen far much more than I would trust myself. Fair enough. So he obviously knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of Liverpool players going to Fulham, Ryan Babel. Oh, we spoke about him on the last podcast because he he has red hair, so it's hard to <laughs> not to notice him. Um, he's another player. Hair, he's another player that I didn't realise was so young. I swear he played for Liverpool years ago when they were sponsored by Adidas and they had that green and white kit. That was ages ago in my head, but he was playing then and he's still under thirty. It's mental. Uh, actually, I think Ryan Babb was thirty-two now. Oh, okay. I don't know why I thought he was okay. <laughs> Might edit that out. <laughs> 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 my oh well, well. um I yeah he he signed the same transfer window as Torres which I think was yonks ago 2007 August 2007 wow so that was just after the Champions League final that we played against Milan and lost okay um so yeah I, I mean I I'm surprised that he's still playing. I mean, he's he sort of almost made a bit of a comeback, a bit of a late comeback because he's playing for the, the Dutch national team and sort of he was doing well for Besiktas and then coming back to the Premier League and mm-hmm. he was another he was another one that never really fulfilled his promise. Um and I think he's trying really late on to do it. Um do I think he'll do well for Fulham? Yes. He looks good. But thus I think far. he'll What's that? He looks good thus far. 
Yeah. I mean, I think he'll do well for Fulham, but I, I think in the sense of him, he'll, he'll play well and I think he'll be a threat, but I don't think he'll stop the inevitable happening. I think that, that will be too much. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Other transfer news, I think within the Premier League anyway, I think one of the, the best signings and mainly on the basis that it's on a free is Samir Nasri to West Ham. I think that's a great signing. He may be a bit older, but he's experienced and he's shown in the few... I mean, West Ham are up and down, but I think it was the first game he played for them. I think that was the game against Arsenal as well, that he's still got that that intelligence that maybe West Ham could really deal with between now and the end of the season. He he could become a talisman for him. And I think the reason that he sort of West Ham landed him around anyone else is because of that... Um, that break he had to take um, for was it, I can't remember the reason why he, he was given he a ban. He used the performing um, enhancing drug. That was it. Basically, that was yeah. it. And I think that he sort of he could come back and be brilliant for them. And I think he could be brilliant for the youngsters like Declan Rice as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I think he'll he'll do well for them. I don't think he'll be there all that long to be honest um, but I think for the time that he'll he'll be there I think it, it will be exciting for for the side to have that sort of him being the dynamic player sort of behind Arnautovic yeah who is staying after all Uh, yeah. Any other transfer news? Transfer gossip? No, no, not not that I'm aware of. I mean, we spoke we spoke about Peter Crouch, which was by far and away the best deadline day move. That the most exciting um, for sure. For like, you know, he's a very oh, much a fan favorite. He never played for oh, my yeah. club, but I still love him. You know what? He had the cheat. Yeah. I've got to tell a personal story. I went to watch uh, just before the I think it was the 2010 World Cup. England had Trinidad and Tobago in their group. So in the build-up to the World Cup, England played Jamaica because they wanted to play a West Indian team before the World Cup. Um, And me, being of Jamaican heritage, got tickets for the game. Me, my dad, my auntie, we went down. We sat in the Jamaica stand. uh, It was at Old Trafford, actually. So if anyone knows the away stand of Old Trafford, it's literally like a tiny little corner. So you can imagine there's like 70,000 almost England fans, about 7,000 Jamaica fans. But the Jamaica fans were making loads of noise. We had drums, everything, singing. It was mental. Um, We lost 6-0. England won 6-0 against Jamaica. And Peter Crouch scored a hat-trick. And on one hand, I hated him for this, but I actually love him for this. When he scored his third goal, he ran over to the Jamaica fans and did the robot <laughs> in front of the Jamaica fans. And we went mad at him. We were like, how dare you disrespect us like that? <laughs> but in hindsight, I think that was so gangster. I, oh, I, I'm unbelievable. Fun, isn't it? And I think that, but it was so iconic at the time, at the time the robot was, like him doing the robot was, unbelievable do you yeah. know what I mean it was it was so well 
well known. Yeah. And to do it in front of Jamaicans who are like well known for dancing. Um, and I think it will go up there one of the most iconic celebrations. Absolutely. Along Absolutely. with a sheer right hand. <laughs> oh yeah, the famous one hand in the air. <laughs> like he's about to take off. <laughs> um that's pretty much it for transfer gossip um and that's pretty much it for part two so join us in part three where we'll be having this week's quiz uh all centered around january transfer windows welcome back to part three of the generic football show oh, sorry i don't know why i found that so funny um so <laughs> part three is my favorite part mainly because uh we did this last week and i won um and hopefully i'm going to keep up oh, this streak yeah i've got to redeem myself this week like ollie gonna solskjaer uh so this is the part of the show where we do a quiz and we theme the quiz the quiz we theme the quiz around a relevant topic um, to do with what's going on in the world of football at the moment and because it was the deadline of the January transfer window this past Wednesday uh, we have five questions for each other based around the January transfer window um, hopefully this week we won't have prepared the same question for each other at any point <laughs> definitely have um, <laughs> just in case we have I think it's fair if I ask you the question first because you asked me first last week and you gave me a question yep. that I was going to ask you. Okay, so are you ready, Dan? I'm ready. Okay, so question one. In which season was the January transfer window introduced? <laughs> it is one, isn't it? <laughs> Guess what I've got as one of my questions. When was the January transfer window introduced? Yes. Um, I'm going to go with 2003. Wait, what season is that? Is that 0203 or 0304? Uh, yeah, I'm going 0203. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> you knew the answer to that. Yeah. Love the suspense, though. <laughs> yeah. Love the suspense. <laughs> okay, 1 0. Right. Right. The question I've got for you is. In 2006, Vidic and Evra both signed for Manchester United yep. in the January transfer window. Yep. Who signed for more money, Vidic or Evra? Oh, you know what? I remember Evra signed for 5.5 million. I remember vividly because I remember this because Gabriel Hines was our left back. who signed for a little bit more, but was very soon replaced by Evra. I don't remember how much... Vidage was signed for but I can't help but feel it's probably more than 5.5 million or it should have been more I'm going to say Vidage signed for more you're going Vidage? I'm going Vidage <laughs> you make it like you make it sound like I shouldn't have <laughs> no it was Vidage ah oh, yeah Vidage yes. signed for Vidage signed for 7.2 million ah oh. and Evra signed for 7 million both bargains well done, Alex Ferguson. I know. Now, in today, they'd probably be about 55 million each. Yeah. Well done, Fergie. Okay, so uh, this one's probably the most difficult question I've prepared for you. Um, and it was actually hard to find the information for this. I literally had to count. Um, but the question is, which Premier League club 
has brought in the most players over the last 10 seasons in January transfer windows. Ooh. In how many seasons? Over the last 10. 10? Yeah. Oh. Um... I am going to go. Oh, that's that's a horrible. It's a horrible one. <laughs> I am gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Chelsea. Oh, you're actually very far off. <laughs> the answer is Watford with 38 players. That was a tough question. I know it was because I was going to say who has spent the most. But then I thought, actually, that might be a bit easier. I'll give you something really hard. Sorry about that. That was a difficult one. I wouldn't have got that personally. Uh, (laughs) It's all right. So, but thanks for that, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) My second question. Mm -hmm. What is, what was the biggest fee for a player to the Premier League in this window. In this window. Surely it's Pulisic. Yep. How F- much? 57 million? Oh. 59, something like that? 58. 58, oh, okay. I'll take that. 2-1. Thanks, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. <laughs> okay, I've got another one about this transfer window. Yep. Okay, question three. After 11 years at Chelsea, John Obi Mikel signed for which club in this year's January transfer window? He signed for Middlesbrough. Ah, too easy. Yes. Well done. I, I didn't realise that until today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. So that, this is, is this two, is two? sort of three two. Yeah. Two two. Okay, cool. Right. So the next one. Who are the five? And I, you you are, you can get the points if you can get four of them. I'll let you have four out of the five. Okay. If you can get the top five most expensive January transfers. Top five. As in coming into the Premier League. Coming into the Premier League. Um. Well, it's got to be Virgil Van Dijk. Yep. 75 mil or something like that to Liverpool. Um, Pulisic, I'm guessing, is up there. 58 mil. Yep. Yep, he's second. Uh, Fernando Torres to Chelsea. Yep, he's he's fifth. Um, oh, he's fifth? There's some that are more yep. than... No, if it's you, more... You've, got the, you've got the third and fourth. Alexis Sanchez to Manchester United. Nope. Oh. You've got one more guess. I have to get this one right. Um, oh, it's got to be a big club. It's got to be. Uh, oh, I was going to say Mares, but he signed in the summer, didn't he? Oh, I feel like it's got to be a Man City purchase or a Chelsea purchase. Oh, how much was Lucas Mora? No, it would be Lucas Mora. Oh. Who did Man City buy in January? Laporte. <laughs> Is it Laporte? 
Oh, you've nailed it. Oh, 57 yes. million. Wicked. Ah. Who was the, the other one? The only one you missed out on was Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Oh, of course. Of course. That was last year as well. Well done, Silas. Um, unfortunately, that's kind of given away my next question. <laughs> yes. But I'm going to have to ask, ask it anyway. So, <laughs> Fernando Torres was a hero at Liverpool. Not so much for Chelsea. But for exactly how much did the London club pay for his lack of services? <laughs> <laughs> In January, I think it was um, 2011. They paid £50 million. Yeah, that, yeah you knew that. <laughs> well done. Yes. Um, yeah. Right. Four all. My Is that four next all? One, three all? Uh, three all. Three all. Okay, cool. So my next one goes along the same lines. Yep. Of uh, of my last one. You got you If you can get four out of the five. Yep. Most expensive deadline day transfers in January. Oh, deadline days. Oh. Sanchez was deadline day, wasn't he? Yep. Sanchez is up there. Laporte wasn't. Aubameyang wasn't. Um... Uh, I don't think Torres was. Was he? No, I don't think he was. Blind day. In January. Oh, this is tough. <laughs> <laughs> you got me with one earlier. I had to get you with one. I bet it's like a. Like, it's probably like a. As, as, go on. As it's tough, do you want me to give you a little bit of a clue? Go on then. Well, you've named. Two of the players that you said that weren't transfer deadline day transfers were Torres. That's one. Okay, so Torres is one. I don't. I just don't think Laporte was. He was too kind of under the radar to be a deadline day. I think. Who else did I say? So we've got Torres. We've got um, Sanchez. No, San- Sanchez isn't one of the five. Sorry. Oh, he isn't. Oh, okay. Uh, I forgot who I said now. Um, Bamiang. Was it Bamiang? I feel like there was speculation about Bamiang for ages. And I feel like, why, if there was so much speculation, why would you wait till deadline? But no, Bamiang, was he one? Yep. Okay, cool. They were, they were the two that you said. Okay. Um... You've got two more guesses. Deadline day. Solanke. Nope. Oh. Deadline day in January. Andre Arshavin. <coughs> nope. Oh. <laughs> right. The, uh, the three transfers you were missing was Andy Carroll to Liverpool. Oh, of course. 35 million, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, Juan Cuadrado to Chelsea. Oh yeah, that was twenty six point eight million. That flopped, didn't it? And Lucas Mora to Tottenham for twenty five. Oh, did I not mention Lucas Mora? <laughs> oh no. no, I didn't realise it was a deadline day deal. If I'm honest, I thought that was a like long term deal. Oh, fair enough. Okay, my final question for you. 
It's currently what three three is the score. Yeah. Okay. This is one of those questions where you need to get both of them right for the one point. So, Darren Bent was a transfer record signing for two clubs in 2007 and 2011, signing for 16 and a half million and 24 million respectively. Can you name the two clubs for one point? He moved to Tottenham for 16 and a half million. Correct. Because that was the same season that Henri moved to Barcelona and he moved for more than Henri did. Yep. And the 24 million, I think, was Sunderland. I'm afraid that's incorrect. The 24 oh, million he moved from Sunderland to Villa. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so that puts the ball in my hands. Or at my feet, I should say. Right, okay. Oh, no. Um, right. You, you flummoxed me a little bit because I've got to find you another... Flummoxed? I've got, yeah. I've got to find you another quiz. Okay, cool. That, um, so I am going to go with... Okay, so we know Newcora was the fifth most expensive deadline day transfer. Yeah. But was he more or less expensive than the Luis Suarez transfer to Liverpool? Uh, oh, Luis Suarez signed from Ajax. I think. So with that, I don't think he would have been that expensive. No disrespect to Ajax, but... Oh, I'm going to say Lucas Moura was more expensive than Luis Suarez. Oh, oh. Lucas Moura went for 25 million. Yeah. Luis Suarez... 22 and a half million. <laughs> Two weeks in a row. <laughs> well played, buddy. Well yes. played. Just like school days when I always used to beat you with horsepath boys. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I think it's time to end. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the uh, generic football show. And I guess we'll catch you next week. See you next week. Take it easy, man. Bye. Everton won. Wolverham want to... Well... <laughs> okay. Everton won. Wolverham want to is <laughs> Everton won Wolverham want Wolverhampton Everton <laughs> Everton won Wolverhampton Wanderers <laughs> Everton won Wolverhampton Wanderers 3 Don't you think Wolverhampton Warriors sounds better? I think that's better Wolverhampton Warriors